If the Lord gives you Pharaoh and uh, gives you favor in Pharaoh's court, fine. But take up the cross and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. Adults, follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. The promise of the Master is if you are faithfully walking with Him, the world will hate you. It doesn't know Him. It won't know you. It will never understand why you tell the truth to your own disadvantage. You'll never understand why you tell the truth in your income tax reform. Or reform, excuse me, it needs reform. It needs to be excised. But <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to say, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Now, one of the things that he's telling us here that we must not miss is that the works of the world are evil. Even when, to our human perspective, they may look good. Because doing things that look good mean nothing to God when they are not done from a heart of love for Him. And people can do all kinds of religious activities on the outside that look good and actually bring some benefit to men but without a heart of love for Jesus Christ. The works of the world are evil. They are evil because all is to be done. Paul writes it. It's in the Scripture several times. Whatsoever you do, word or deed, do all to the Lord Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of the Lord. That's what His people are about. They love Him. They're consumed with Him. Now, Not only is the work of the world evil and all of the works thereof, but the world is guilty before God. Boy, that's a word that the world hates. It doesn't like guilt trips, does it? Don't talk to me about sin. I don't want to hear that I'm a wretched, hell-deserving sinner. Don't give me that stuff. You're just giving me a a guilt trip. And I've often told people, I'm not trying to make you guilty. You're guilty. Ask God. I'm not trying to put any trip on you. I want you to open your eyes and see who you are. Read God's Word and hear your Maker. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The world is guilty. It is guilty. It does everything it can to escape the guilt that eats it up. That's why you can pay psychologists and psychiatrists the fabulous amounts of money that they want had a man in the jail ministry that I work in tell me just recently. He said, you know, when I came in here, he said, I had been diagnosed with bipolar. And that was the excuse I used for my drinking and my drugging and my immorality and for finally cutting his wife with a knife. And he sat under the preaching of God's Word for about two or three months and he came and he looked me in the eye and he said, I don't have a bipolar problem. I have a spiritual problem. He's eaten up by guilt. And perhaps some of you are. I have good news. There is a Savior. We'll talk about Him a little bit more in a few minutes. The world is guilty before God. The world believes itself wise. And yet it is ignorant of God. Second Corinthians 
I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, meaning its wisdom, knew not God. The world has a wisdom. It has some men that are brilliant thinkers. Men with massive minds. And yet they are in utter darkness because they do not know the living God. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord and they will not bow to the Most High. Therefore, what appears wise to them generally only steals from the truth of God and then they build themselves up in their pride in what they think they know. But they do not know God. They're ignorant of God in what they call their own wisdom. The world lies in the power of Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine unto them. Satan does all he can to blind the minds of men. And to what? The glorious light of the good news, the euangelion, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that which is the power of God to set men free. The world says, if you're not like us, you're weird, you're strange, you're not cool. I would that everyone in this place would learn to say, I don't want to be cool. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to walk with my Master. I want my, my mind has been opened by the glorious light of God's Word. He has freed me from the shackles of Satan's blinding power. And I want to walk with Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. But the world stays in that bondage. It is right there. Their minds are blinded. They love what they love. They pursue what they pursue because they cannot see any beauty in Christ. They see no beauty in the laws of God. They hate its restriction. They hate the straitjacketness of it. They hate the binding of being good. They want to do whatever their wicked hearts desire. The world lies in the power, the bondage of Satan, as Paul writes. First John chapter 4, verse 5, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth him. In other words, the world listens to lost men and false teachers, but not to God. In all of their wisdom, men like Carl Sagan and his massive mind and all of the things that he could process with that incredible mind, he could not process that he was a sinner on his way to hell without Christ. And denied the God that gave him that marvelous mind. And so of all the great minds, they'll listen to the world. Ah, that... that that's not a baby. That's just a lump of tissue in there. Go ahead and get rid of it if it's convenient. Why, the sodomites, what they do is just a variation of what you do. We all have different ways and different strokes. They will listen to those who speak 
from their lost hearts. But they will not listen to the truth of Christ. They cannot. They will not. The world is the habitation of the spirit of Antichrist. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, It is the last time. And brethren, we've been in the last time, regardless of what all the popular books say today. We've been in the last time since the advent of our Lord. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. John could write that thousands of years ago. Nearly 2,000. That the world is the habitation of the spirit of Antichrist, and it manifests itself in every generation. 2 John 1.7 says, For many deceivers are entered into the world. They're received by the world. Who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. And finally, the world is God's enemy. James chapter 4, verse 4. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Enmity with God. To look at the world and all of its glittering trash and to embrace that to your bosom is to be the enemy of God. The Scriptures are very plain. We do what we can to get around its plainness. But God's children hear it and they say, Amen. Amen. Think with me then just for a few moments of the indictment that we've seen of the world. It doesn't know the Father. It doesn't know the Son. It doesn't know the Holy Spirit. It doesn't know God's people. It hates Christ and those who are chosen by Christ. Its works are evil. The world is guilty before God. The world believes itself wise yet is ignorant of God. It lies in the power of Satan. The world listens to lost men and false teachers, but not to God. The world is the habitation of the spirit of Antichrist, and it is the enemy of God. Can we be surprised then that John writes, Little children, love not the world. How can you love that? And say you love Christ. I'm not talking about the love that sends you out into the darkness to preach the gospel to them who have no light. He's not talking about not loving the world that way. Oh, we're to love the world in that sense, to bring the gospel to every creature. But he's talking about its ideals and goals and laws and religions as opposed to that of our Holy Savior. Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at what loving the world means then and how that is worked out in our day-to-day lives. Again, this is only an introduction to a large subject. But you see, the affection and desire of the heart, please hear me, the affection and the desire of the regenerate heart rightfully belongs to God. In fact, all men, having been made in the image of God, should love the Most High supremely. But 
we set our hearts on the fallen things of this creation. This is why John says, love not the world. What are some of the wrong objects of love? Well, the scripture has many. Let me share just a few for you to consider this evening. Number one, what are the wrong objects of love? Luke 11.43 says this, our Jesus rebuking, a stinging fashion. He says, Woe unto you Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. In other words, we shouldn't love the praise of men. And brethren, you came with a heart like that. You love the praise of men. Preachers have to crucify the flesh. I've grown up hearing talk like, oh, he's the next Spurgeon. And people thinking, well, that's why I'd love someone to say that about me. Or he's the next Lloyd Jones. Friend, that's flesh. We don't want to love the praise of men. Because they're not the model. Jesus Christ is. We want the praise of men. We want their applause. And unfortunately, that is why we see our nation in the desperate condition it is in. The problem with our nation is not the whoremongers. The problem with our nation is not the drug dealers. The problem with our nation is not the politicians. Though I realize that there might be room for argument there. The problem with our nation is not all of the things that we normally hear, the sodomite movement, all these things. Friend, the problem with this nation is the pulpits. They will not faithfully preach the Word of God because they love the praise of men. They want to be well thought of and highly esteemed. Friend, that's not the cross of Christ. We must preach the truth, whatever the cost. We love the praise of men, football stars, basketball stars, rock and roll uh, guitar players, and all of the heroes that the world can vomit up. The very nature of our society is the lavish praise of men. You see, grown adults sometimes in the morning on the Today Show, at least in the years back when I turned the thing on, when you see adults standing there doing all kinds of ridiculous things just to wave for, for one second to be caught on the camera. Hey! We're not to love the praise of men, but we come that way. John chapter 12, verse 43 says, For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. How many things do you do, friend, because you want the praise of men? It might even be the right men. But that would be the wrong motive. It should be for love of God. There are many other things that we are not to love. John chapter 3 verse 19 tells us that men love darkness rather than light. Men love darkness rather than light. In other words, they love the things that gurgle up out of the depths of their darkened souls better than they love the light of God's Word and His righteousness. They love darkness. They don't want to be a goody-two-shoes. Who are the heroes? Half of the heroes of this nation belong behind bars. 
Many of them are utter criminals. Read the entertainment pages. One of them even recently had the nerve to honestly say, yeah, you know, uh, those of us in the Hollywood community, a lot of times we just believe we can live above the law. That's the way we live. A large number of them ought to be put away, literally, really. They're lawbreakers. They're criminals. They're drug addicts. But, oh, we love them. We love darkness. They're our heroes. The Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 4.10, which is to me one of the most sobering verses in all of Scripture. Paul writes, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Can you imagine the glories that Demas' eyes beheld? He walked with Paul, the great apostle. He heard the grace of God preached in a, in a spirit-anointed way that had to have been astounding. We read in the book of Acts and we see the incredible things that Paul did. Demas was one of his companions. He heard the gospel preached. He saw pagans and heathens brought out of their darkness into the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus. He saw churches formed by the power of the Holy Spirit and then departed. May God preserve every one of us from being a Demas. But brethren, that sobering verse is there for the same reason that John writes, love not the world. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Well, what are some of the right objects to love? I could go on. Let me press on. Well, the Scriptures tell us in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus saith unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Brethren, are you confused about what to love? Love your God and love His children and love them fervently and love them with your whole mind and your whole being. As God grants you the grace to do so. Because He's worthy. In all of His majestic glory. In all of His attributes. He is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. All knowing. All wise. And to go down the blessed list of all His glorious character. Oh, He's worthy that we should love Him. But above all things, we should love Him because He loved a wicked world so that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're to love one another. As 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. We're to love Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Do you love Him here tonight? Do you love Him 
Have your affections been drawn out to Him because of His extraordinary character and His holy grace poured out upon sinners? He's worthy. That's who you should love. Forget all of the heroes that the world can vomit up and look to Him who did the Father's will. Love the Lord Jesus Christ. What was that will? The second person of the Holy Trinity became flesh that He might keep the laws for us and die upon the cross paying for the penalty of the sins of all of God's people procuring for us forever a perfect righteousness and it is ours by faith alone in Him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, Whom having not seen, ye love. Whom having not seen, except by the eyes of faith, ye love. In whom though now ye see Him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Where is the joy in many of our churches today? Why, why are so many professing Christians seeming to be joyless when the object of your love, O oh friend, is fixed firmly on Christ? Your heart cannot but rejoice. Could it be that some of you are joyless tonight because you love the world? Have your eyes been drawn off of Him who is altogether lovely, who is glorious and beautiful in what He has done? This is true beauty. This is love to see Christ on the cross fulfilling His Father's will, raised from the dead on the third day for the justification of His people. Brethren, what does loving the world reveal about us what does loving the world reveal about us? If we can see this testimony from the Word of God about what the world is, and if we can see the testimony from the Scripture about who Christ is, God's darling Son, if we can see His glorious and His sovereign grace to those who deserve nothing but His hatred and His condemnation, then what could it mean? What would it say about us? What does it reveal if we love the world? John tells us, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in Him. Set aside your excuses. Set aside all of your justifications for still trying to cleave to those things that seduce us, that turn our eyes off of Him who ought to be the object of our fervent and burning love. I need to hear this. I trust you need to hear it as well. 
John knew that the first century believers needed to hear it. Because when we don't have Christ and His doctrine, then our affections must be set on something else. And it is either Christ or the world. John calls us the character of God. His thoughts, His words, His deeds are so radically opposed to the character, thoughts, words, and deeds of the world that to choose one is to reject the other. To love one is to despise the other. Our very Lord Himself said, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot, ye cannot, ye cannot serve God and mammon. So let us conclude with this. One cannot set his affection on God and idols at the same time. Or light and darkness at the same time. Purity and obscenity. Chastity and debauchery. Modesty. Sensuality and lasciviousness. Honesty, or lying, righteousness, evil, holiness, corruption. To love the world is to highly esteem that which stands in opposition to our God. Jesus Christ alone, the resurrected Son of Glory, is worthy of of our passionate affections, our ardent desire, our highest esteem, and our fervent worship. His eternal love for His people, His glorious crucifixion and resurrection, and the beauty of His holiness display Jesus Christ as the altogether lovely one. Let us meditate on His sufferings and let us value His broken body. Let us value His shed blood. Let us value His resurrected glory. Let us value His rule and His reign and His intercession at the right hand of the Father. Let us value His kingdom, His word, His law, His spirit, His people. above all of the worthless things of this world. And let us learn from Moses, who chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Love not the world. Let us love our Christ. 
if you do not know Him, I call you to flee to Him tonight. We sang, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look to the willing Savior and call on Him for everlasting life. And love not the world. Let's pray. Your word has testified against the world, Lord. And we see it as it is. Your word has testified of Christ. And He is worthy of our love and affection. Now, Lord, help us to have a clear sight of Him and hearts filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory believing on the precious Son of God. Seal these truths to our hearts. Bless your saints and call the lost unto thee. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said 
that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.